hospital, they were very clear to tell me that if I ever got a temperature of 101.7 and above, 101.7, they said, and above, uh, he, they said, go to the ER, don't wait, go to the ER. And I said, why is that? And they said, well, uh, because your white blood uh, cell count is very low uh, and it's still creeping up, but because it's low, a fever could really decimate that and cause you a lot of problems. And, and the only way we're going to be able to fix that is to bring your temperature down and we wouldn't need to do it from, from the ER. So, so I hadn't heard anything different uh, since then. And now my, my white blood cell count has come back up. And although uh, I did have a moment when I was taking some, I'm taking some, um, some maintenance drugs that it came back down below a, a threshold level. And they were concerned about that. And they said, well, let's, let's run some more tests. And if that continues, then we'll, we'll lower your drug. Otherwise, um, let's just keep an eye on it. And so it came back up, and so everything was OK. But then, then I got this, this, uh, this cold, and I got a fever of 100.7. <laughs> and then we was like, oh, OK. Does that mean that at 101.7, I got to go to the uh, ER? Well, Dinah was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I don't. So we were just kind of watching it. Fortunately, it, it dropped right after that, and I didn't have a fever anymore. So praise God for that. I didn't have to worry about going to the ER again. <laughs> amen. amen. That's right. So, yeah, um, Ron's not here to give me a, a amen, so I'm, I'm going to lean on Mark today to give me amens. <laughs> All right, so our, our, our text this morning, Psalm 42 let me read that, and I'll pray for the preaching of God's word. Psalm 42, verse 1. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, 
for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Psalm 43. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. Hope in God, for, for I shall again praise him my salvation, and my God. Let me pray. Father God, as I begin this morning, my prayer would be, Lord, that you would strengthen me, that you would give me endurance this morning to preach your word, Father. For as I am weak, I know that you are strong. And in me, Your strength will deliver your message, Father God. So I pray, Lord, that you will use me this morning to preach a clear message, one that that is uh, easy to understand, one that will be uh, taken into the heart, Father God, that that will maybe even cause change in our lives, Father. This is only possible because of your word, Father. Not because of anything that I do, but Lord... I pray, Lord, that I would not be a hindrance to your word. So I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the author of Psalm uh, 42 and 43 is lamenting to God about his situation. Apparently, he's been, he's been driven out of a job out of his city, um, away from his friends and, and loved ones. He remembers God from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from the Mount Mizar, which is apparently quite a distance from his homeland. He remembers when he used to go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. This large group It was like a festival, he explains. These were obviously good times, times of of joy and celebration. But he's not there anymore. In fact, he's now surrounded by ungodly people, people who torment him and ask him, where's your God now? So he's depressed. And he has to remind himself to hope in God. He does this after each lament in in Psalm 42. There are two laments in Psalm 42. And there's a a prayer then in in the beginning of of Psalm 43. And after each one of these, he has a refrain. And that refrain is his, his hope in God. 
So it seems that it's, it's not a struggle that he's unaccustomed to. You hear him talking to himself, why, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil? Hope in God. He keeps telling himself this over and over while he's struggling, while he's going through this, this spiritual depression. So, so we're going to take a look at the spiritual depression that the author describes, as well as the cure that he, he, hope, he holds fast to. And for us, as the, as the title of my sermon reveals, is that Jesus is the cure. Jesus is the cure for us. The title of my sermon this morning, if you're taking notes, is Spiritual Depression, Jesus Has Conquered. Jesus Has Conquered. I'll cover just two points. Because I've, I've been sick most of the week, this may be a rather short sermon, maybe 20 to 25 minutes. Don't, don't, don't y'all applaud or anything like that. But, um, but it's only because I'm still very weak. We'll see if, if God intervenes and I can turn this into an hour instead. <laughs> <laughs> now, so let's begin with, with point number one, spiritual depression. Now, um, before I begin, th- this, this portion is going to seem very heavy. Spiritual depression is not a fun topic. It's not something we get excited about. This, this may describe some of the things that you may be feeling, even today. And so then you may be reminded, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with that. Oh, boy. And then you start to feel the weight of all that that, that entails. Um, try to avoid going there. <laughs> you know, because there is a cure, and I'm going to get to that part. Uh, in the second point, okay, uh, so don't, don't, don't get too down on me. Uh, I'll try to bring you back up when, when we get to point number two. Uh, and then we're going to do something a little bit different uh, at the close of the meeting today. Is, um, after I, I pray to close out the sermon, I'm going to have the band come up. And before we start the, the closing song, I'm going to ask if anyone is struggling with these these causes of spiritual depression that I'm going to go over, or, or maybe even something that I haven't explained, because I don't talk about all the, the types of things that could cause spiritual depression, um, but if there's something that's bothering you and that's causing you to fall into this, this funk of spiritual depression, which I'm going to define in just a bit, I'm going to want to be able to pray for you. And, and, and I, I, I want for us to pray corporately. I, it's, I think it's it's bad or poor for, the, for a church to believe that only the pastors can be praying for people. That's not right. That's wrong. That's, that's not good thinking. So, so I want for us to practice praying for one another. It says in the Word to pray for one another. So we're going to do that. We're going to offer time, a time of prayer, corporate prayer, where we can pray for one another for about five minutes or so, not too long. So, so there won't, you won't need to explain your whole situation and I want you to keep your prayers short, and I'll remind you of this later. But So we'll do that, and then we'll do the, the final song, okay? So that's just to prepare you for, for um, what we're about to do, all right? So, so point number one, spiritual depression. So, so what is spiritual depression? Well, you know, in order to answer that, let's, let's start with what it's not, 
okay? Well, it's not clinical depression, which is diagnosed by a doctor, okay? Uh, it's a physical condition that may or may not be caused by unfortunate life circumstances, uh, nor can you just will the symptoms away by, uh, by your own will. Um, and it's not always caused by sin, which is what maybe some Christians think or believe. A clinical depression can sometimes be caused by a physical disorder. Uh, it's an illness. Uh, it may need to be treated with medicine or, or counseling. Um, requiring a doctor for depression is no different than, than going to a doctor for an illness. Okay? Spiritual depression, on the other hand, is a feeling that you're separated from God. That you're far from God, or, or more likely that, that God is far from you. And he's not listening to you. He's not able to hear you when you cry out to him in prayer or when you're talking to him. Uh, I recently saw, um, uh, for the second time, a movie called The Quiet Place. Now, if you haven't seen it yet and you want to see it, and, um, then cover your ears or um, skip over this part in the audio if you're... Um, I'm not going to give the whole thing away, but I may say some things that kind of give some <laughs> away. There's a scene where the father takes his son to go harvest some, um, some fish from the traps that they have in some streams. And so he's sitting there getting out a, a, a catch, and he, it's, it slips out of his hand, and he makes some noise. And the reason the movie's called The Quiet Place is because they have to be quiet, because there's, there's some monsters that, that, that are attracted to noise, okay? So they're all trying to be very quiet. And so the son gets really upset because his dad just made this noise. And his dad, he, he's signing to him, there's no reason to be quiet. You know, he's doing the sign. Now... I'm not going to do the sign because, well, for two reasons. Uh, for those on the audio, won't be able to hear what I'm saying. Um, and secondly, probably more important, I don't know how to sign. <laughs> so, um, but so his dad signing to him, no, it's okay, don't worry. There's another sound they can't hear. And so then he, you know, the son doesn't really believe him, you know. So he says, okay, let me take you to this place. So he, he takes him to a place and they're standing behind this, this um, waterfall. And the waterfall's roaring, you know? And, and, this, and the dad, st standing next to the son, the dad starts to scream, yeah! You know? And the son's doing this. And the dad looks at him and says, it's okay. And, it's, and this is the first voice, this first vocal that you hear in the movie. He says, it's okay. They can't hear us because of the sound is louder than what we're saying. They can't hear us. And then, so then they cut to a ne the next part of the scene. The camera's on the other side of the waterfall, and you see the boy standing there next to his dad, and the boy is yelling. You can't hear him. Or you can barely hear him. And then they cut back over to this side of the waterfall, and you hear the boy yelling. I wonder if sometimes it's like that, where we're feeling like God is on the other side of that waterfall. He can't hear us when we're calling out to him, when we're praying, Lord, help me with this. I, I, can't, I can't deal with it anymore. I'm crying out to you, and I don't, I don't hear from you. I'm asking others to pray for me, and I don't, I don't hear from you. Maybe that's happening to you. Maybe you feel like God's not listening.
Maybe you feel like God's not near you anymore. What's, what's happened? What's changed? What's going on? And so you get depressed. You feel lonely. Everything in your life is not going your way. You don't want to talk to anyone. You can also feel sick and have all the other symptoms of depression. In our text this morning, I'm going to unpack six, six causes of spiritual depression. So let's begin with the first cause, feeling apart from God. This is, this is pointed out in verses 1 and 2 of, of, of Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? So, so the author is describing for us this feeling of being separated. Can you, can you picture the deer as it's searching for water? At, at first, the deer is going around, okay, I think I'm thirsty, I need a drink of water. And then he, you know, a little while later, he's like, well, okay, I haven't found any water. Where's the water? And he starts ramping up his, his speed on looking for water. You know, he's trotting, now he's running, he's galloping, he's, he's getting breathless, and he's running, out of, he's running out of breath, and he's panting. <laughs> Where's the water? What the author is saying, well, that's the way it feels in my soul. I can't find you, God. I don't know where you are. I'm getting a little nervous here. He says, my, my soul thirsts for God. When will, I, when will I be near you again? You ever have that feeling? You ever have that feeling that, that something's missing in your Christian life? You're missing that feeling, feeling you had when you, when you were first saved, that joyful feeling. You know, the joy of knowing and understanding what God has done for you through salvation in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're feeling like you can't find it any longer. You can't get joyful anymore. You go to Sunday morning services. You go to small group meetings. Perhaps a prayer meeting every once in a while. You go to Bible study groups, but it's just not happening. You feel like God's not there. Or at least it seems like he isn't there. He's far away. He's not able to hear you. He's on the other side of the waterfall. He's, all, he's on the other side of all the noise that's going on, all the tribulation that I'm having to deal with all the illnesses that I have, my job loss and, and my marriage failing and everything that's going on in my life. God can't hear me. There's too much going on. You try praying to God and asking, asking him for things. You ask for prayer when you're with others and it doesn't seem like God is listening. You may cry out and even scream out to God and all you get is silence. 
is nowhere to be found. So your, your soul pants for God. Cause number two. The taunts of unbelievers. This is verses 3 and 10 out of, out of uh, Psalm 42. Verse, verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Verse 10, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Huh? <laughs> where is your God? Yeah. You're having so much trouble. Where's your God now? Has, hasn't he come rescue you yet? They're, they're almost happy about this. They keep taunting him. You ever have that? People you know who are taunting you? They see you're a Christian, and so when you've got, when you run into trials or tribulation problems, you know, you're struggling about something, and, you know, they don't have to know everything about what your struggle is. They just know you're, you're in a bit different disposition. You're struggling. And they say, hey, you know, I thought you were a Christian. Aren't you supposed to be happy all the time? Aren't you supposed to be joyful regardless of what's going on in your life, huh? Why are you so depressed? Where is your God? <laughs> How do you feel? How does that make you feel? Defeated, perhaps? Beat up? Tamped down? Kicked in the gut? Not only are you having to deal with this particular circumstance, but you're now having to deal with with these people who taunt you because you're a Christian. That's not fair. That's not right. Don't they know the rules? Why doesn't God come to your rescue? Why doesn't he hear my cries? Why doesn't he intervene to change my circumstances? These are questions we ask. And it doesn't mean that we're bad Christians to ask them either. You feel like you're constantly having to defend yourself because, you're, because of your beliefs. You, you wish you had a job where everybody in the office was a believer. But let me ask you, Christian, do you think that it's, there's not going to be sin going on in those places too? The taunts of unbelievers. The next one, next cause, memories of better days. Verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude 
keeping festival. This was joyous times. These were times where, man, I was, I was with all the people that were my friends, and, and they, were, they were singing and shouting for God as well. There was just so much joy going on. It was energetic. It was exciting. It was fun. Where have those times gone? I can now just remember them. Memories of what God has done in the past for us is a good thing when it, when it serves the right purpose, when it encourages us, when it encourages us to hope in God. Those memories are good to have. But when memories of better days causes us to lament what we don't have now, then it just brings us down and causes spiritual depression. When we, when we focus on the memories itself rather than the God that brought us through those times, then our focus is in the wrong place. Cause number four. Feeling overwhelmed by the trials of life feeling overwhelmed by the trials of life. Verse 7, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. Do you feel sometimes like, like life is crashing around, crashing in all around you? Life is just, I mean, there's just so much going on. Life just seems to be crashing in all around you. You get, you get through one trial and here comes another. There's several people in this, this church that that describes. You get through one illness, and then boom, another illness comes upon you. You get through one car mishap, and then another car mishap comes upon you. You get through one job situation, and then another job situation gets, comes upon you. It's like a wave after wave. You, can't, you just can't stop it. You throw your hands up, and, and you go, what else can go wrong? For me, let me give you an example. For me, it was when I was diagnosed with cancer in August of 2020. First, it was in the ER when I thought I was having a heart attack, and the nurse comes in and says, nope, it's not your heart. You've got two compression fractures in your back, and we saw microfractures in your ribs. Okay. And then she says, plus, you've got multiple myeloma. Now, she didn't say it that jovially, <laughs> you know. She said, you've got multiple myeloma. You've got cancer. She was very serious about it. But, I mean, you know, this is just something else, right? I've got two fractures and, and fractures in my ribs and, or microfractures in my ribs, and, and now you tell me i got cancer? I mean, you're, you're just piling it on, right? So I go on treatments right away to bring the cancer into remission so that I can do a stem cell transplant. And several months into it, I start having uh, left shoulder issues. At first, I thought it was uh, bursitis, so they did an MRI, and the doctor said, nope, we don't, we don't see any inflammation in your joints, so it must be neurological. So, so I thought, I thought, what? It's all in my head? They said, no, no, no. It's, it may be related to nerves, you know, your nerves that control your, your arms, your muscles, and so forth. Uh, uh, 
So, so we, they said, we mean there may be nerve damage caused by the cancer or the treatment drugs. And I, I said, oh, okay. Um, so, so you're telling me uh, because I've got cancer uh, and because of the drugs that I'm taking, I'm now having to struggle with this new ailment, this, this problem in my arm that I can't even lift it. And there's a lot of pain, right? Yeah. Okay, pile on. So now it's in the middle of December. I go in for a series of treatments to get ready for the stem cell transplant. And the nurse tells me, okay, each time you come in, uh, we're going we're gonna to take some measurements. We're going we're gonna to take your vitals. Uh, we're going to take your weight. Uh, and, and we're going to measure your height to see if there's any, uh, any changes, any dramatic changes, right? Uh, and they ask me, what's your height? And I say, I say, 5'8". Uh, I say, 5'8". Because I've always said 5'8". You know, I may be 5'7 and 3 quarters or so, but I, I just say 5'8". It's a lot easier for people to understand. Yeah. 5'8". <laughs> um, and so they measure me, and I hear them saying, uh, 63, 64. 63? Yeah, or 64. And I said, well, what's, what's 63, 64? What does that mean? Oh, well that, that, tra that translates into 5-5. Um, uh, and I said, I, I said what? 5-5? Five, five? No, you've you got to be kidding. Five, no, not 5-5. Five, five. I'm 5-8. Five, no, sir, you're 5-5. Five, five. I said, well, how could that happen? How could I lose three inches? And they said, well, well, you know, the cancer... Uh, and the cancer treatment that you're going on, the drugs, you know, they could cause you to lose bone mass and, and lose height. Oh, wow, okay, so multiple treatment drugs, bone loss, height differentials, well, that's just great. Pile on, pile on. So now I'm 5'5". Five five. And when my hair is back to full strength, I'll be able to say 5'5 five, five plus. <laughs> you notice how the thing that, made, that distressed me the most was probably the least significant thing in this whole, this whole thing. You got cancer. Oh, you got broken back. You got fractures all over the place. Your, your bone mass is really deteriorating. Uh, and you're 5'5. Five, five. What? I'm 5'5? Five, five. Oh, no. Oh, I can't do this. <laughs> Have you felt like you've been piled on? Have you felt like, God, give me a break? When is this going to stop? Help me here. Help me, Lord. Help me here. I'm praying to you. Don't you hear me? Cause number six, failure of God to act quickly on our behalf. This is verse nine. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? This is, this is similar to Jesus saying on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or for us, when, when we are feeling like we're at the end of our rope and we call out to God, 
Where are you? Why haven't you come? Why, well, you know, I'm at the end of the rope here. Why, why haven't you healed me from this terrible disease? Why haven't you rescued me from all, under all this debt? You know, why haven't you saved my marriage? Why have you forsaken me? Where are you, God? Please answer. Come to my rescue. Has that happened to you? Has that happened to you? And the last one, number six, the last cause. Attacks from ungodly, deceitful, and wicked people. Now we're at verse one of, of Psalm 43. This is a prayer. He's gone through two laments in, chapter, in, uh, in Psalm 42, uh, each followed by a refrain, and now he's, he's praying. In Psalm 43, verse 1, he begins, Vindicate me, O God. Notice the words he's using here. Vindicate me, O God. He says, I can't do this. You need to do this. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause. What is my cause? My cause is my Christianity, my belief system, my wanting to do right to people. Defend my cause against an ungodly people from the deceitful and unjust man. Deliver me. His prayer is, I'm calling out, vindicate me, deliver me from these people. I cannot take this any longer. I'm at the end. I'm done. Deliver me. Like the previous causes for spiritual depression, you may be calling out to God to rescue from rescue you from your oppressors. You may call, be calling out and saying, where, where are you, God? Why haven't you rescued me from my tormentors? Why haven't you helped me? Why haven't you changed my circumstances? You may even begin to start thinking, well, what have I done? What, what have I done to deserve this? What am I doing? What do I do I need to change? How can I be better so that I deserve your good graces? Wow, where have we gone? Where has our hope gone? Is our, is our hope in ourselves? Is our hope in, in what we can do good enough so that God will, will answer our prayers and give us the things that we want, or the things that we need, the things that we like to make life easier for us? What do I need to do? God, tell me and I'll go do it. These six are just a few 
taken from the text that can cause us to experience spiritual depression. There are no doubt that there are other experiences or circumstances in your life that, that may cause you spiritual depression, may cause you to, to wonder if in fact God is far from you and unable to or un, unwilling to listen, to hear your pleas for help. And so you find yourself in this, in this dark pit where nobody can hear you. And you're depressed. Maybe you've begun to separate yourself from others. Maybe, maybe you stopped attending church regularly. Maybe you've even turned your back on God. And this is describe you. Are you feeling like God isn't listening? You're praying to him. You've asked others to pray. But you're just not getting the answers you want. Or maybe you're not, you're not getting any answer at all. Well, there is a cure. There is a cure. There is a cure for your spiritual depression. And the author of Psalm 42 and 43 Tells, uh, tells us about it in the refrain, in, in verses 5, 11, and 43, 5, which is point number two, the cure. The, the refrain reads like this, and it's the same in, in all three instances. I guess that's why it's a refrain. So for those that know music, that you'll understand that joke, but okay, I guess nobody else... <laughs> And you hear Bill saying, yeah, okay. Here's, here's the verse. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. How can you not emotional about a verse like that. Those in the world, including many Christians, turn to things that they believe will resolve their depression, like maybe divorce, excessive entertainment, or they go buy things. Some resort to pills or habit-forming drugs, all of which may appease the effects of depression for a short time, but none of these are long-lasting or completely freeing of this type of depression, spiritual depression. They may turn our heads from the difficult realities of life for a short time, but they, they don't allow us to win out over depression. The author of the psalm shows Christians how to win out over spiritual depression. And I would go one step further and say that this psalm shows even non-Christians how to win out over depression. Now, for the non-Christian, I'll speak to how this psalm can help you, but, but first let me, let me speak to the Christians about how 
this psalm helps us win out over depression. We'll, we'll look at, at three ways. From this verse, we'll, we'll look at three. The, the most important point shown by the psalmist in these two psalms, after the two laments and then again after the prayer in Psalm 43, um, is the refrain. He, he speaks to himself about the truth of what he knows and doesn't give in to depression or self-pity. Let me say that again. He speaks to himself about the truth of what he knows and doesn't give in to depression or self-pity. Remember, we're, we're talking about spiritual depression here, not, not clinical depression, which can be caused by a physical illness. But spiritual depression, which is the feeling that, that God is far from us, He's not able to hear, out, hear our cries for help. Um, there's a distance, and we have no way to get back to him. And we're depressed because of that. Um, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says it this way in his book, Spiritual, Spiritual Depression, Its Causes and Cure. He says this, and I quote, <clears throat> they have the quote. Do you have the quote up? Do you have the quote? Did you receive the quote? It's, it, there it is. Okay. I wish I, could, I wish I could say this in his speech form. He's, he's, uh, he's got a British accent, so it's, and he's an old man. And so he sounds very, <laughs> I don't know how to put this, very, he's very direct and very, uh, you know, I mean, come on. You know, right? He, yeah, well, so you, you'll see that in, in this this uh, quote. So he says this, you have to take yourself in hand. You have to address yourself, preach to yourself, question yourself. You must say to your soul, why art thou cast down? What business have you to be disquieted? You must turn on yourself, upbraid yourself, condemn yourself, exhort yourself, and say to yourself, hope thou in God. Instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. <laughs> he was always very direct. Uh, no beating around the bush with him. Uh, what business have you to be disquieted? <laughs> you must turn on yourself and hope in God instead of muttering in this depressed, unhappy way. I, I wonder if he ever had thoughts of shaking someone and hitting them upside the head and, and saying, Come on, you dingleberry. <laughs> I know I've had those thoughts, but, you know, then I wasn't being very grace-filled and compassionate. Um, and I know I should know, I should know better. I, you know, I've been through a, a lot, as you've witnessed. So that's him telling us. We got to be talking to ourselves, right? We got to speak to ourselves. We have to, we, he speaks to himself. The psalmist speaks to himself. The second thing that we can look at is he challenges himself to do what should be done. He says, hope in God. He knows it's right to talk to himself, even, even preach to himself about wallowing in depression or self-pity. Uh, but then the next step is to challenge yourself to put your hope in God. 
Put your hope in God because it's worked in the past. In this fallen world, there's nothing more secure, nothing more reassuring than putting your trust in God. Putting your trust in your Savior, Jesus Christ, who has conquered every illness, every depression, every sin you've ever had or ever will have, every feeling of separation from God because he has brought us near by his sacrifice on the cross. Have you done what the author has done here? Maybe you've talked to yourself about, about getting out of this funk about getting out of spiritual depression. Maybe you've even reminded yourself of the gospel as, as you're trying to talk to yourself out of self-pity, but, but have you told yourself to hope in God and then challenged yourself to actually do it? That's what he's describing here. That's what he's prescribing here. Yes, talk to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. But then hope in God and do it. It's not difficult to put your hope in God when you know of the great certainty that hoping in God provides, which is the next way that we help ourselves out of spiritual depression, and that is he reminds himself of a great certainty. That's the third point here, the third sub-point. He reminds himself of a great certainty. He says in the refrain, after hope in God, he says, listen here, he says, for I shall again praise him. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. This is the great certainty. It is a great certainty because God has provided for you to praise him again by giving you salvation through Jesus Christ. And God does not change. And so his plan for you doesn't change either. This light momentary affliction is not the end for you. It may not even be the last affliction you have while on earth. But, but know this. Know this. Jesus Christ has already secured for you the ability to say, I shall praise him again my salvation and my God. We are guaranteed it because of the work of Christ, that Christ did on the, on the cross. And we're helped through it by the Holy Spirit, which Jesus said the Father will send to us if we believe in him. So I'm almost at the end now. This brings me to then address those of you who do not believe or who do not yet believe. Spiritual depression, illness, calamity, and life in general will be the end of you when you die because you will not go to heaven when it's over. It may be hard to hear. But it doesn't matter how good you think you've been. No one's been good enough except Jesus, who lived a perfect sinless life. 
We, on the, on the other hand, haven't. We're all sinners. We haven't been able to live a sinless life because we are inherently sinful. And, and even the smallest sin, if there ever is one, even the smallest sin continues to condemn us and prevent us from being reconciled to a holy God. Therefore, we needed someone to pay our debt of sin, someone who was able to wash us white as snow, and, and that someone was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, the Father, became man. He is God incarnate, fully God and fully human, came to earth to sacrifice himself and pay the price owed by sinful man, which he did on the cross and then was raised three days later to now be seated at the right hand of God, the Father, still fully God, still fully man. And for those who confess they are a sinner in need of a Savior and accept that Jesus Christ died for their sins and repent of their sins, in other words, turn from their wicked ways, then they shall receive salvation and be fully redeemed to the Heavenly Father who will justify them and make them brothers and sisters with Christ, able to receive the inheritance set for the children of God. But you have to make that confession. You have to accept Jesus in order to be justified by God. I implore you not to wait. You do not know how much more time you have left in this life. And there are only two places you can go. Either to spend an eternity in the lake of fire or an eternity in heaven where there will be no more tears, no more suffering, no more pain. You get to decide what will you choose. As the band comes up, let me close with these thoughts. There are all sorts of different ailments and circumstances that can bring bring on spiritual depression and that can make us feel like God is far away and unable to, to hear our cries. We can lament and we can pray, but, we, but if we don't also speak into our souls and act and hope in God, then we will simply continue to suffer unnecessarily. Stop relying on depression and self-pity and hope in God. And remind yourself of the great certainty that you shall again praise him. Move your focus away from yourself and place it back on him. Like Lloyd-Jones said, what business have you to be disquieted? You are a secured child of God if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You then have everything to rejoice about. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. I hold on to that because I know of the certainty of God. Amen? Let me pray.
Father God, we thank you for these psalms that, that help show that we're not the only ones that fall into spiritual depression. We're not the only ones that, that can feel separated from God at a time when things all around us are crashing in, where our hope is failing, illnesses are getting in the way, finances are getting in the way, loss of job, our marriages, you know, things with family and friends, father, there's all sorts of things that could cause us to feel you're not near, that you're not helping us, that you're not uh, changing our circumstances. So Lord, I, I pray that for those that, that feel these moments of spiritual depression, that they would look to these psalms and remind themselves, okay, why are you so downcast? Hope in God. For I will rejoice in him again. Help us with that, Lord. Help us to, to stop looking inward. Help us to stop being depressed and and, and being uh, relying on self-pity, but let us, let us focus our attention back on you, Father God. Because in all truth, you are not far from us. You are standing right next to us, waiting for us to, to gaze upon you. Fill our life with that hope, Father. Fill our lives with that joy of knowing that the certainty is not in our circumstances, but in our God. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. So now... Um,